Today on the Tech Bytes podcast, we look at a global SD-WAN deployment for manufacturing company IMI, which makes vehicle safety products. Our guest is Tom Braden, VP of Enterprise Technology at IMI, and our sponsor is HPE Aruba. IMI has deployed Aruba Edge Connects to help link data centers in the U.S., a manufacturing plant in China, and other facilities around the world. Tom, welcome to the podcast. What kind of products does IMI make? Yeah, thanks, guys. Glad to be here. A global manufacturer of vehicle safety products. So what that means is we make uh, seat belts, restraint systems. Uh, we also make a child car seat. Uh, but really, our big focus is restraints for large commercial vehicles like uh, semi-trucks, tractor trailers, uh, ambulances, and uh, school buses, uh, vehicles like that. So we've been in business for actually 60 years uh, this uh, just this summer. So we're celebrating our 60th anniversary this year. So things like school bus seatbelts, car seats, those kind of products directly impact the safety of children. So I imagine, you know, design specs, product quality, that kind of stuff, probably critical. Yeah. uh, You know, product quality is important to all businesses, of course, but in in our line of work, it really has a special meaning, I think, because, you know, you, you come into work every day, you really do realize that the products that we're producing are, are really saving lives out there. And especially with this topic of seatbelts and school buses, you know, it's kind of a, a new political topic that has really gained steam and momentum over the last several years. And uh, and we're kind of at the tip of the spear on that industry. So we really think that that's going to break wide open and uh, we're well positioned for that industry right now. So. so I imagine, you know, the WAN comes into play here because if you're doing like design in the U.S. and manufacturing overseas, you're sharing lots of files, you've got lots of applications and uh, information that needs to be sent across the WAN. So what kind of challenges were you looking at with operating this WAN? Yeah, and when you look at uh, the ch- business challenges that we were dealing with uh, back in 2017 is actually when we started our SD-WAN journey. That's when we started uh, looking at and vetting different products. And at that time, the SD-WAN space was kind of a, you know, an alphabet soup of different providers. You know, they, uh, the, I wouldn't say that the industry was in its fledgling state at that point, but SD-WAN was kind of a new thing in 2017. And uh, we were really suffering from a lot of the same challenges that uh, most other manufacturers are suffering from. But we had kind of a, an additional pain point in the sense that, you know, uptime is very important for every manufacturer. Obviously, uh, if your, your networks are not up and not available 24-7, then, you know, it doesn't really matter how awesome your software is. If the users can't get to your ERP system, for example, then it may not as well be there. So the biggest challenge I think that we had was the fact that we do have a huge operation in mainland China, in Wuxi, China. And that really presents a lot of logistical challenges, a lot of technical challenges, because, you know, that plant is uh, literally uh, on the other side of the earth. So you've got very high latency, you've got packet loss. Uh, and just, you know, the fact that uh, we really don't have good diplomatic relations with China, our two countries, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just not as easy to call up and get an awesome right. internet connection in China as what you can do here. You know, it's it's all state-run, state-provided internet right. connectivity. So you're kind of kind of at the mercy of the you know whatever you can get in that particular area, and that was really a problem for us because we we have a ton of computer-aided design uh, CAD engineers that are working there. We have almost 20 of them, and we had about 20 of them back in 2017. So. That's that's tough because they're manipulating huge CAD drawings, you know, 30, 40 megabytes in size and uh, trying to manipulate those across the wide area network. That's a tall order, you know, regardless of what product you're using. So those are just some of the challenges we were struggling with with China, especially so. But that applies everywhere, like moving files over private WAN connections was has sort of turned into this um, 
it became clear that dedicated MPLS was going to sell me 10 meg for this price. I got guarantees. I'd nominally, I got some sort of guarantees, but I could go and buy 100 meg connections from the internet for half the price of a 10 meg. And exactly. what most of us found is that 10 times the bandwidth is better, even if it's just unguaranteed. Exactly. Yeah. And, and one of the things that we found, because at that time we had a 50 megabit per second MPLS circuit, very typical. A lot yep. of American companies operating in China have got, you know, MPLS. And then we combined that with just a plain old internet connection, which was about mm. 15 or 20 megabit per second. And we we didn't want to use one as the primary and one as the backup. You know, we wanted to leverage both connections just to mm. maximize our throughput and give us the best chance of keeping that plant up and running. And so uh, Silver Peak SD-WAN at that time really uh, stood out among the competitors as being the best uh, best offering for that. Mm -hmm. so. Did you ever choose the acceleration features? One of the things about CAD files is that historically when I was doing WAN acceleration as a full-time skill, CAD files are one of the most compressible formats. Is that something that you yeah. used? Absolutely. Yeah. We, uh, prior to our adoption of Silver Peak SD-WAN uh, in China and at all of our other global sites, uh, we had these uh, riverbed WAN accelerators. You probably have heard of that. That riverbed was really huge in that WAN optimization space mm -hmm. back in the day. And uh, the, uh, you know, Silver Peak really got its start as a WAN optimization company. And uh, you're right, those large CAD files, they really do lend themselves well to that type of technology. But really, the, the two features that really stood out for us or the two technical needs we had is First of all, packet loss, you know, that was something we were really struggling with. And we didn't realize just how bad the packet loss problem was over yeah. that MPLS until we really did some deep analysis of it. And we really were struggling with a lot of packet loss, especially on the MPLS. So this is this good put through versus throughput issue, exactly. even though the MPLS was, you know, working at the 50 megabits per second they promised. They were dropping five or ten percent of packets, and it was actually the actual good put was probably down around, I would guess, twenty five megs instead. True. It was about half. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the other uh, the other problem we had was just the very high latency. You know, when you yeah, uh, the yeah. speed of the speed of light is constant. Of course, it's kind of like back when uh, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong were landing on the moon. You know, Mission Control they couldn't figure out why Neil and Buzz were delaying two seconds, you know, every time they responded to a question. Well, they weren't delaying. That's just the speed of light. Yeah. One of really the interesting didn't... things about latency and packet loss is when you combine them, latency has its own, it's, it's, all, it's all wrapped up in bandwidth delay product theory, but mm -hmm. latency is one thing. So, but when you have packet loss, the issue is compounded to the square. So if you've got a uh, two-second packet latency from China to the US in this case, and you drop the packets. It then takes two seconds to signal, I've dropped a packet. And then yep. the other person says, okay, well, I'll resend the packet. And the other person comes back and says, I will send you this, this missing data segments and then transmits it. And so the, it actually is a much worse issue on high latency circuits. Packet loss in very high latency circuits is the worst thing you can have. You actually want... Yep guarantees around that. And this is where these SD-WAN appliances are fantastic is because they can often adapt to the packet loss and work around it in some way. Exactly. Yeah. And that's really, uh, you know, when we were looking at beginning this SD-WAN journey, you know, we went about a, a pretty meticulous process of vetting five different providers at that time. And, uh, you know, we scored them. We actually uh, looked at it sort of like an outside consultancy would look at it. And we, we mm. evaluated all five products. Now, the, the industry has really coalesced in the years since then. Some of those companies have 
stopped, you know, uh, offering products in the SD-WAN space and others have uh, been acquired and assimilated into other companies. Uh, but Silver Peak, you know, specifically about this topic we're talking about, packet loss and latency, they had two proprietary technologies that really caught our eye. And one of them was uh, called FEC or forward error correction. Right. And that was mm -hmm. Silver Peak Aruba's technology to combat packet loss. And, you know, it's, it's a proprietary technology. They don't release the technical details on how they do it, but all I knew was it worked beautifully, you know, our packet <laughs> loss. Uh, and I, I actually flew out to Silver Peak uh, back in 2018 and attended a week-long training course uh, just to get up to speed on how to use all this stuff. You know, I wanted to be the technical leader in our department. Now, I'm not in the weeds as the C-level leader of the department. I, I don't typically configure routers on a daily basis. But at that time, I did configure all of these because I wanted to kind of be the subject matter expert in that and teach it to the yeah. rest of my staff. And uh, so forward error correction uh, definitely combated that packet loss problem. But then another feature called Unity Boost uh, really did a, a awesome job of combating this latency problem. And right. Unity, Unity Boost is another proprietary technology. When, when the Silver Peak technicians explained it to me, basically what they're doing is they're manipulating the data at the packet level. You know, they're manipulating that SYN-ACK process to basically uh, send packets without waiting for an acknowledgement, and they do it without corrupting those data packets. And once again, all I know is it works amazingly. And it, uh, you know, the yeah. one thing that did work was uh, it had a very noticeable difference in the eyes of our users. You know, they actually thought, and this is no joke, after we implemented Silver Peak in China, I, I still remember this call to this day that the plant manager actually accused me of increasing the bandwidth on the MPLS and the internet connection without telling him about it. <laughs> and I said, no, we, we haven't done anything. We're just actually getting the full efficiency out of those circuits now. So for the I mean, first time, I remember years ago being briefed by Silver Peak on forward error correction, which is based on statistical maths, fundamentally around Poisson mm -hmm. predictions, Poisson algorithms, if you're ever interested. Yeah. And the TCP acceleration uh, is proprietary to Silver Peak, but then all of the WAN accelerators have proprietary TCP acceleration mechanisms that fundamentally look and smell the same, just in sure. case you're ever interested. Having been someone who's worked on most WAN accelerators over the last 15 years, I think the interesting part here is that it sounds like you took this on, you're not a networking person, you learned how to make it work, and then it just worked. I would say that's true. And I, I um, when I did get my start in IT, it, it was with Cisco networking. I still uh, maintain right. my Cisco certifications even today. But that was a type of wide area networking that is so vastly different from what SD-WAN uh, really is all about. You know, back in the Cisco days, we were used to creating these site-to-site, -site, uh, you know, point-to-point -point VPN tunnels uh, without any any thought of optimizing uh, traffic or optimizing it for any particular applications that might live in the cloud. And that's really where SD-WAN shines. But yeah, you're right. It, uh, it really was a turnkey solution that required mm. uh, pretty mi minimal effort, really. And the thing that really caught our eye about Silver Peak is, and this is a real world thing that I think a lot of IT people can relate to, at our plants, we don't really have IT staff at all of those remote manufacturing plants. You know, we, we have some deputized IT people that are good with computers and know a little bit about technology, but it's not like I have a, a CCIE who works at the China <laughs> plant, you know, and I can just ship him. But you shouldn't have to, right? Networking, right. most of networking these days is once it's deployed, you just need a firefighters. 
to go yeah. and put out the fires. The problem was is that in the, in in the previous generation of WAN technology, that you actually had to have a firefighter on site to do the firefighting. Right. Whereas exactly. I think with SD WAN, we've got the the cloud management tools, or you know, however you're managing the SD WAN, are using the cloud or the on prem version. Yeah, we're uh, we're actually uh, we have our orchestrator uh, on prem, and then mm. uh, of course everything is managed uh, in the cloud. But the thing that Silver Peak really did great was you know we ship an appliance out to a remote site. All they have to do is plug you know the WAN, the broadband connections into the right ports, and we do all the configuration after that. And so in other uh -huh. words, the appliance just needs to obtain internet connectivity one way or another, or WAN connectivity. And as hmm. soon as we can see that in the orchestrator administrative console, then we pretty much do all the configuration from there. So pretty as, as close to zero touch as you can get. And that's that really fit the bill for our for our user base out there. Probably fit the bill for you as well, to be fair. You went up till midnight every night doing arcane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that notion of, you know, not having a lot of networking experts at all your locations. Um, but I assume, you know, a lot of branches may have had routers, firewalls, maybe a WAN acceleration or WAN optimization appliance. Have you been able to reduce sort of that that footprint? Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we chose to really do a true rip and replace. So the Silver Peak appliances, they also have uh, pretty decent stateful firewall capabilities. So uh, for each of these locations, we literally removed a Cisco ASA firewall, usually an ASA 5520 or something like that. So these were aging firewalls that needed to be replaced anyway. But uh, we actually ripped all of those out. We replaced them with a pair of physical Silver Peak appliances mm -hmm. uh, in, a, in an HA configuration because we do have two internet connections at every site. And that's another thing that Silver Peak really shines with is the yeah. ability to seamlessly fail over between those two broadband connections without someone having to, you know, turn levers. You've, and do you use that? Them. Does that happen to you all the time? Oh, Does it happen often time. enough? All, all the, the time. time. I think the best example is probably our Mexico plant. So in Mexico, that's a massive manufacturing plant. We have almost 2000 people working there. I guess it's not quite that many. It's closer to 1200 maybe. Uh, but it's just a sprawling, huge plant out in the desert, you know, next to mm -hmm. Daimler Chrysler and a whole lots of other American automotive manufacturers are on that same road out there into the desert in Saltillo, Mexico. And uh, we have Telmex is the primary internet connection and Telum is our secondary connection. And they're both 100 megabit per second. And, you know, they, they come into two different sides of the building. So we have as much separation and fault tolerance as we possibly can. Uh -huh. So each Silver Peak gets its own broadband, broadband connection. And then you connect the two Silver Peaks together sort of in an HA uh, mm -hmm. like a crossover cable type of thing. Yeah. And uh, that really just gives you very seamless. And I would say probably at least once a month, we have one of those connections goes down. So at any given time, we have an active, active situation. So it's not like one of them is sitting there being wasted. <laughs> We're actually using both 100 meg okay. circuits. So, uh, you know, that and, gives us yeah. ban some bandwidth uh, aggregation there, link aggregation really, I guess is the proper term. So. And I guess the final topic, because we, we're running out of time, would be that you're also doing local breakout. So you're not running all the data mm -hmm. back to head off. So one of the things that you wouldn't have been able to do with your previous generation, with the previous routing technology is route traffic by application instead of IP address. Exactly. Yeah. And that really, when you look at it, that is the key to most SD-WAN products. Uh, Silver Peak in particular 
utilizes uh, what's called business intent overlays, which are basically policies that you build to optimize your bandwidth for a particular application. So yeah, since we are doing local breakout, uh, you know, we're not backhauling all of their traffic back to a data center or something like mm. that. So that allows us, uh, it allows the Silver Peak appliance to seek out the location of, uh, for example, Microsoft Teams. You know, we're very heavy Teams users. Yeah. Uh, and Zoom and other video conferencing. And those are, you know, very heavy bandwidth, uh, video and audio at the same time. And uh, the Silver Peak appliance knows where Teams lives in the cloud. Uh, it knows which Microsoft data center to route that traffic to, with, you know, closest to you, uh, to reduce the hop count and just to bring that traffic closer to and, you. And there's no point so, in routing it to head office just to turn it around and transparently exactly. route it back, right? Which is what exactly. we did in the old MPLS days. Because it yep. could only be one way out, right? Exactly. Yeah. And we were doing that with uh, with China, but now there's no reason to do that. We still do backhaul some of their traffic uh, back to our main data center. But uh, yeah, we're breaking that traffic out at the local level now just for, for optimization purposes for applications. So, You mentioned uh, software as a service applications. Are you doing anything with public cloud like Azure or AWS that's uh, tying in SD-WAN? We are. Um, yeah. Um, when we implemented SD-WAN, we had uh, a co-location data center in uh, Indianapolis, basically, in Carmel, actually, just north of Indy. Uh, so that's where almost all of our data existed. But in the years since then, we are actually in a project right now. We're about 50% of the way there. We're migrating all of our servers up to Microsoft Azure. So full cloud hosting. You know, we used to be on-prem, if you will, uh, in a co-location data center. And we are now slowly but surely moving all 150 of those virtual servers uh, up to the Microsoft Azure. And you take a guess you here. You wouldn't have been able to do that without SD-WAN. Oh, absolutely. And we're, we're able to still utilize SD-WAN for that. Now, we can't place a physical appliance in Azure because, you know, that's not what uh, <laughs> it's all virtual. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it is Silver Peak actually has uh, fully capable virtual versions of all of their appliances. So mm -hmm. we have an East region uh, our where our primary data is going to in Azure. And then we are replicating that to a West region and each region has a virtual silver peak appliance. And we're, so we're by utilizing that, we're still able to uh, take advantage of all those business intent overlays and all those policies we've yeah, created. But, uh, so my point was, I think, and I'll just say it again, to see if I get it right. You wouldn't be able to use the cloud in your environment if it, if you didn't have enough bandwidth and you true. didn't, if you had it yeah. stuck to where you were, you couldn't have gone to Azure. That is absolutely true. Yeah, I think uh, Silver Peak and uh, just SD-WAN in general has been that highway that has allowed us to do that or to do it efficiently, especially. Yeah, like to consider it without having to buy vast amounts of bandwidth at extortionate prices. Exactly. And it does matter. You know, those uh, we do spend a lot of money on Internet connectivity because that's where, you know, all of your data now is going to the cloud. So your Internet connections are everything. So mm -hmm. we're, we're uh, distancing ourselves from those legacy technologies, MPLS and private yeah. lines, layer two private lines. So we, uh, we still have the MPLS in China, but uh, our plan, once we are fully Azure migrated, is to convert that to just pure plain old internet bandwidth and really go into high speed at that point. So, Okay. All right. Well, that does uh, bring us to the end of this podcast. Thank you, Tom, for joining us. And thanks to Aruba and HPE Company for sponsoring this episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can find many more fine, free technical episodes along with our community blog. That's all at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at Packet Pushers, find us on LinkedIn and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.